I'm Elizabeth Monson. I'm Elizabeth Meyer. And this is Talking to Myself, which is our podcast where we read self-help books and apply them to our lives and also hopefully give you some nuggets to apply to your lives. And this week we are joined by a very special guest, our friend Marina Korosh. And she is the mastermind behind D-Bag Dating and also a regular Vogue contributor, so she's very cool. (laughs) Welcome, Marina. Thank you. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. So here on Talking to Myself, our guests get to select the book that we frame our discussions around. Marina had some input from us on this one, but as an expert in all things dating, we thought it would be really fun to dissect a classic relationship text. So we read and are responding to Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus by John Gray. So can you talk to us a little bit about Men Are From Mars? Well, clearly I really wanted to do this podcast and I was really excited. So I went to Amazon and I was looking at all of the book options for modern dating books. but this one book just kept on popping up on the most popular list, and it was from 1992, and it was Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. And I remembered reading, or rather like skimming through this book, probably five years ago, during a tumultuous time in a former relationship. <laughs> and I remember thinking it's kind of a lot of bullshit, to be honest, but I figured it's worth proposing, suggesting it. And uh, then one of you guys was got really excited by this idea. Yeah, we latched onto it. Although you did just remind me before we started recording that the first time I'd ever heard about this book was from Cher Horowitz and Clueless. So I had some positive affinity towards it before we even read it. Me too, initially, five years ago. And then I read it. Yeah, so... Yeah, I think I thought it would be more, um, like, funny to read something from the past, but yeah, I was wrong. And then we all got angry, all of us. (laughs) It's also, yeah, a very particularly challenging time for women, so I think reading antiquated views on how women should behave was a real challenge. So do you guys want to, let's just summarize the book for our listeners. Let's Let's have Marina, our expert, go first. Yeah, summarize (laughs) it in one sentence, one thought. I think the main thought is that women come from one planet and men come from another one and they were initially not supposed to meet or were they supposed to meet? I'm not sure. But they did meet and all ended up falling in love with each other and since they're from different planets, they don't know how to navigate each other's planets according to the pertinent rules, I believe. That's a really good summary, yeah. Yeah. What was your take? My take was that, so like going like a little bit further in that men just need space and you need to give men space but women need hugs and you should just always give a woman a hug yes and taking that one step further that sex is a vehicle for men to realize that they can have emotions (laughs) and women just need romance Mm mm-hmm so there you no go. Sex, you just don't even so it. hard to talk about even. I know. So I mean, he the basic gist is that he's trying to give both sexes theoretically, although it seems like it's clearly written for women. Mm-hmm. He's trying to give both sexes rules or like guidance for how to interact with each other when you're in a relationship that's not going well and ways to understand how to like engage with a man or how to engage with a woman to help you, I don't know, improve on 
communication and basically just the relationship, but the ways that he gives are insane. Offensive. Offensive, yes. I was speaking to a coworker of mine about this book, and she is like seemingly a feminist and uh, very, very modern and this cool girl, and she swears by this book. She says that she uses it whenever she has a problem in her relationship. Because That's so funny. Yep. Uh, yeah. And if, just, if I may ask a specific, is she talking about specific different new dating experiences or a long-term relationship? Like a long-term relationship, but she says that it speaks to the innate nature of like humans, men and women, to their biological nature. So basically men are supposed to be like um, providers, uh, supporters who have to take care of uh, their family, and uh, women are um, caretakers in the emotional sense. They Mm -hmm. have to raise their children and they have to be attuned to their kids like you know, problems and needs and desires at that moment, so they're just far more sensitive, whereas men are far more apt to these goals, like, you know, more focused on these goals that are providing for their family, basically. He goes into how men are very goal-oriented pretty often. Which is also sort of offensive as a woman who feels like she may be goal-oriented. The whole premise is super offensive. It is. Well, it also makes a lot of assumptions around... Relationship, so we should caveat that this was written in 1992, mm-hmm. and also that it's not a dating book. It I really thought it was a dating, dating book, book, but it's really about relationships. So if you're hoping for dating advice out of this, it's not going to happen. And if you're hoping for relationship advice out of this, I wish you luck. Although, I mean, I'll be honest, there are some p- parts of it where I was like, "This is offensive," but also I could see that if I approached a problem this way. It might it be might resolved work. faster. It's <laughs> Look, it's the language that's the worst part of this. Yeah. The way it was written, the way this guy writes, and the examples that he uses are terrible. If this was rewritten to the modern age, this might actually work. I think there's stuff in it that does work. So what's yeah. the undertone there that you think is actually potentially helpful to daters and people who are in relationships yeah. that don't seem to be having a good communication <sighs> flow? Well, for the communication, I guess there's this whole thing about, you know, the unsolicited advice, right? So they're basically going into this thing where you should never give a man advice. No matter how far he drives out of the way, and you might know that he's driving in the wrong direction, you must not tell him that he's wrong. He will love you more. Because he will love you more and he'll hug you more, I suppose. (laughs) But... I'm assuming that there is something to it where men don't like criticism and you shouldn't poke and prod and try Mm -hmm. to change the person you're with. But that's something that's universally applicable. I mean, you shouldn't really be in a relationship with somebody who you're not okay with or you should not date somebody who, for their potential, you should date somebody for what they are. They're just like taking it to a whole new level. Yeah, everything was to the extreme. Which, in a lot of the books we've read, they take things to the extreme just for use cases. And in this case, I feel like the fact that everything was taken to the extreme, it made me be really offended by it. But in these books, I think you kind of have to do that. I do think that like some of the, the stuff about why couples argue was pretty accurate, where it's like, you're not arguing about the same thing. So I thought that was applicable not only to couples arguing, but about every kind of relationship. Yeah. So 
really having the ability to hear what somebody's saying before you react. I think that was a pretty central theme. Again, the language that was mm-hmm. used to embellish around that was just very offensive to women. But in general, it's it's always good to sit and think and listen and absorb before you react. Yes. And I think that was that was a major component of this book. The thing that bothered me the most about it was the way that that was really framed is that women need men to listen to them. They don't need advice all the time. They don't need a man to chime in with how they should handle a situation. They sometimes just get home from work and Do you need want to role play? Advice. You're trying to role play right now? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. We've never done this before. We've also never had a boozy podcast before, but we decided <laughs> that we needed boost. <laughs> that we needed boost. Do you want to be the guy or do you want to be the girl? I'll be the guy. Okay. So I'm really overwhelmed. Oh, wait. So I like just came home and Meyer's there waiting for me. <laughs> this is so nice. My ideal scenario. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so stressed out and I'm so overwhelmed. I can't get anything done at work. I mean, I, I feel like you should just relax a little bit you just you always take on so much you're always just trying to achieve so much you go above and beyond and sometimes you just really need to scale back no wrong. I... <laughs> beep that's wrong you're wrong. supposed to say come here let me hug you and cook you dinner and here's your favorite yeah, no, tv I'm show i'm gonna play with marina because she sounds a she lot better really really wants to join in on this so do you want to be the man or the woman no keep going i'm just <laughs> telling you where it's more you can be the referee yeah Okay. And then I say, I don't remember how this goes. I'm like, no, I, like, I'm so passionate about my work. I really love doing it. Like, you don't understand. How can you tell me that I don't understand? You just told me a problem and I gave you a solution. Chill out. You're Scale not really back. listening. <laughs> yeah. So the whole thing is that men need to just listen. But yeah. the way that that's framed is do a better job listening. Don't offer so much advice. And the way that it's framed when women give their input is unsolicited feedback. And that's the term that he uses any singular time, mm-hmm. whether it's the example mm-hmm. where you're driving to a party and you're completely lost and the woman actually knows where to go but isn't allowed to tell you because it's unsolicited. So my question is, how are those two scenarios any different except for the way that they're labeled? Yeah, men are allowed to offer. Well, I mean, he is saying men don't offer unsolicited advice. But he didn't call it unsolicited advice. Uh, He said men need to listen. Right. He never says that anything a male gives you is unwarranted. More so just that a woman doesn't need that in the first place. They need to be listened to. Yeah. So that, for me, was troublesome where, to me, they they really sound like parallel situations, except the verbiage used for a man is be a good listener. And for the woman, it's like, don't give him your thoughts. That's called unsolicited advice. It's kind of funny, though. It's like basically in no situation are you supposed to tell the other person how you think or feel. Like you're actually not supposed to give yeah. advice. You're only supposed to either sit there in silence or hug her. So we're talking about improving communication. And essentially what we're saying is stifling communication. It actually makes more sense for your relationship to just hold those things back. Yeah. Yeah, he does tell you to hold back a lot of things. It's a lot of, like, little manipulative little mind games, kind of. Yeah, Yeah. so I I wanted to bring up this story that I... I'm not going to lie, though. Sometimes when I come home and I feel really stressed out, all I want is a hug. Yeah. It's true. It's true. 
I can get with that. I can get with that. Um, But I also actually really value my husband's solutions to my problems Mm -hmm. because of the fact that he listens to me before he offers input. I also value my own solutions for my partner's problems. So do I. I will always give unsolicited advice. Me too. Because that is who I am. Not that I'm I'm single, but I still give a lot of unsolicited advice. Yeah. Oh, man. F you, This guy is right. He might be right about... There's one part that I really liked about this whole thing. Okay, talk to us. What did you like? Tell us what you liked. We need that. And I shouldn't have... uh, It's weird. So basically, he says that women need to feel loved, which... Initially, you're like, no, I don't. I'm independent, and I'm, you know, I'm powerful, and all these things. But then he says, when a woman feels love, she relaxes. She stops being too in her head and thinking mm-hmm. too much. She just chills the fuck out. And it's true. I mean, a lot of us do need to chill out. Well, so I do want to ask you about that then, because I was talking to a friend of mine. Who was I talking to? I don't know. But we were talking about back when we were in the dating phase and when we were younger, so, like, being 23 mm-hmm. and dating and remembering how, like, absolutely crazy we would get. And I feel like it kind of speaks to that, where it's, like, when you feel love, you, like, totally. freak I out read this and control. Yeah. But, like, when you're, like, it makes you crazy sometimes. I read this article in the Times, I think it was the Times, last year about the three dots on an iPhone. Oh, yeah. And how much anxiety oh, it gives Oh, I read that article, somebody. too. Or, like, read receipts. Or read <laughs> receipts. But none of yeah. that existed when I was dating my husband. Thank God, yeah. because I am a lunatic that way. It would have driven me crazy if I had sent a message and seen three dots and then gotten no response. I'll tell you the truth, though. You stop being like that when as you get older. Like, dating, even in this age when you're you know 30 and I'm turning 30 in two weeks it's completely different it doesn't feel the same as stressed as you might have felt in your early 20s you just calm down you're like he doesn't like me okay he does not texting back okay what am I gonna do like what exactly am I capable of doing in this scenario but I'm not one to chase really and in that sense like I'm very content when somebody likes me and I'm very relaxed when somebody likes me and I'm comfortable in that place. And that comes, and he says that a woman watches her mother and how her father treats her mother, and she emulates that relationship, and she hmm. seeks the same thing in men. And I think that my dad always put my mom on such a high pedestal that I grew up watching that, and I really relate to what he was saying about you being comfortable in this place where you're treated well. And also he says that women get more selfish with, with age, and they learn to accept love and to think that they're worthy of love. Yeah. And that I I have, like, the, you know, poster child of that, of somebody who always felt like I'm not worth something or not don't deserve this. And, again, I come from a very secure family. It's just, you know, teen angst that poured over into my 20s that I had to deal with, you know, while being single. And that I kind of, like, in my head, I kind of learned to appreciate myself and say I'm worthy of this and I want to be treated well. And... Now, when I get into these places, situations with men where I'm treated well, I'm comfortable in them, and the relationships goes on more smoothly. And that's something that I see my single friends struggling with. Mm. And I think the first thing I always tell women is you have to love yourself. You have to treat yourself well. You have to appreciate yourself. 
You have to think that yes, I'm wor- I'm good enough for this. Like because the guy is not perfect either. You're not perfect. The guy is not perfect. If you're a good human being and you know you have your shit together to some degree, you are very much deserving of a great guy who treats you well. And that's something that a lot of women don't think they are. They keep on chasing these assholes, like routinely, repeatedly. And they're smart women. And I think that that part of the book really is reflective of like the true nature of women. And it's sad, but it's something that we have to work on and improve on. Yeah, so you just said something that to me, and I'm going to make a huge generalization, but again, I keep thinking of the, this time gap where 1992, you know, mm-hmm. we're talking about 25 years after the fact. And you just said something to me where that actually really resonates in my own experience where when you're finding out who you are, when you're in your teens, when you're in your early 20s, you're not really secure yet. You're not confident mm-hmm. in this person because you're still discovering what you're all about. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how many people John Gray counseled who started relationships when they were really Much young yeah. and they ended up getting married because that really was the pattern. It's like yeah. now women are putting their careers first and they're putting, yeah. you know, having a family on pause and that's totally accepted and embraced. And I think even 25 years ago, it was much more the norm to, you know, graduate from college mm-hmm. and start your family. So I wonder how much of that he's he's gearing towards speaking to women who just don't know who they are yet and don't feel confident mm-hmm. with, with themselves. I think another thing also is, like, I feel like now more than ever, and this is also a huge generalization, so bear with us, <laughs> but... I feel like there's more, like, room for men to not necessarily feel like they deserve love. So I feel like the other wild card that's different now is that men behave very differently because society, like, 100%. allows them different things slash expects different things from them. So that probably makes it even more complicated now because, like, the power dynamic of this, like, even reading this book, the male side and the female side, I feel like in so many people I know, like, are completely flipped or like switched. You might be right though that you have to reinstate a point so many times during these self-help books. Like look at Malcolm Gladwell. I mean, I can I know what his book is about within the first yeah. few like pages basically because he just reiterates the same point over and over again. He probably had to repeat a lot of it. Um, he also happened to write after that like 10 more of these books. Oh yeah. I'm sure his publisher yeah. was like just hit like bring in the dough (laughs) um but yeah it's not applicable to the modern age i mean this man he's talking about who is this goal-oriented silent man this oh i know going into your cave well yeah so he says like when men need to think things out basically they need space so they need to go into their cave and so i guess like i don't know is that like when guys play video games Elizabeth, you you're married. Like you got both of you Where guys are in relationships. You're married. Like what is this this um hold on. I think I noted this thing. Yeah, if you underlined it. I, by all means. It's like an intimacy cycle. <laughs> oh my god, the wave of intimacy. I cannot. What is this intimacy cycle? I was dying. He was like, so basically, he's like, women's in, like level of intimacy is like a wave. A wave. It builds and then it crashes. It crashes and she's depressed. And then she's depressed and then it it builds again. And I was like, so help me God. Do not say this happens on a monthly basis. Yes. And then he's oh, later like, do I? and he's like, I'm not gonna say it happens monthly, but 
doesn't not. This man and really like, understands hormones. <laughs> yes. Holy shit. I cannot believe you're basically being like, oh my god. Women's emotions are driven by their menstrual, menstrual cycles, cycles and PMS. This is basically like our the people. intimacy. Oh, and men are men are like rubber bands. Yep. That's yeah. That's the intimacy cycle. They pull in and pull out according to some cycle. Yeah, but they always snap back. Snap back. Yeah. And it works if their pulling in and pulling out happens to flow with your wave. <laughs> but if they're rubber band and your wave aren't in sync. Then it's not gonna work so hot. I'm telling you, my friend says it's the truth. <laughs> I, we should have we should have had her on this. We episode. really should have. It actually would have been really nice to have somebody who had talked about. Well, so actually, so really, to be like, perfectly what's the difference fair, between a wave and a rubber band? Well, hold on. Let me. I know. Rubber band, you you distance yourself and you come back. A wave is more like. It's less physical. It's more in your head from what he describes. You're bouncing up. You're high, 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 and then you go low, 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 and you get depressed, apparently. I hate So it's just mental versus physical. So the physical. woman is emotional and the man is physical. Physical. What a new concept. <laughs> Thank you. So to be perfectly fair, last night, Marina, you and I were texting about this book, and we were trying to figure out how we were going to get through it, what we were going to mm-hmm. talk about. And generally what Elizabeth and I really like to do on our podcast is talk about some of the positive motifs that we can integrate back into our lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Can I literally read a quote? Absolutely. <laughs> yes, please do. There is a strong correlation between PMS and the inability to cope with negative feelings in a positive way. So that is not one of those things that we're going to be reintegrating back into our lives. <laughs> because that is Crazy. In some cases, women who have learned successfully to deal with their feelings have felt their PMS systems symptoms oh disappear. Wow. There you oh go. God, John yes. Gray cracked PMS. <laughs> Coming from a man who has never menstruated. This is no. literally, it's psychotic. This is strangely so relevant, though, considering Trump and Pence and all those guys telling us how we should, you know... Telling us things about our bodies that we apparently don't know, and then also I know. it's crazy. I, yeah, that's. I think that's maybe why we're so upset. It honestly yeah. is because potentially this could have been laughable, but there are some things that we really we love to attribute these antiquated tactics to the fact that they were written in 1992, but the fact that they're somewhat relevant today is just scary. Oh, this is how people think. Yeah, this is how people think. So anyway, you were trying to spin this in the positive. Well, I I wasn't I wasn't necessarily trying to spin it in the positive. Find something positive. I, I was looking for from our dating expert. Yes. When we were talking about this last mm-hmm. night, she said the scary thing is that every time I sift through another chapter of this, I wonder if it's going to influence the way that I interact with men going forward. Yeah. Do you think it will? I I'll be honest, completely honest. Like I'm Russian. I grew up with all this you know, advice being, like, whispered to me. Like, let the man think that he's the one making the decision. Let the man think he's in control, but you're really in control. I was always taught to kind of be, like, the strong female leader while pretending not to be. So all the sexist stuff is kind of how I grew up, and it doesn't shock me. Like, I, you know, it is what it is. It's funny. It's it's uh, angering because of the whole Trump thing. I already kind of... 
act according to some of the points that he makes in my head. And I hate to admit it, but I just want to be honest. But then, but then I'm not applying advice about not giving a man any feedback or criticism. People, people want you, like, I'm 30 years old. I'm dating men who are not dating me because I look like a supermodel, which I don't. I'm not dating men who... That's actually a lie. That's a lie. She look looks like a, like a supermodel. No, I don't. <laughs> but I'm dating, I'm dating men who might appreciate that I have something to say, and, they, and I've heard them say this. So I'm going to say what I think, but I'm going to maybe manipulate the conversation a little bit according to certain things that I know psychologically just would offend them or upset them because I don't want to upset them. Is this especially when you're getting to know somebody new? No, not really, because when you're getting to know somebody new, it doesn't really matter. It's a little bit later. It's just being sensitive to people. And if you if you have a very sensitive friend, right, you're not going to say certain things. If you have a very sensitive uh, family member, you know already at that point what to say and what not to say. If you know a guy is going to take it out of context, uh, not going to take it right, if you give him this like very direct feedback on something that he's trying very hard on, okay, you find another way to say it. In the end of the day, peace, and especially I'm assuming later when you have kids and all that stuff, preserving mm-hmm. peace is your prerogative. But if you have to get completely out of your comfort zone to do that, that's not the right person for you. Yeah, I was thinking about it actually because when I was reading it, I was thinking, you know, like, this is how you act when you're dating in a lot of cases because, I mean, yeah, you use these tools when you're getting to know someone, like, wanting them to like you, whatever, but it happens less and less in relationships, and so I, th- I was thinking, I was like, man, is it the fact that this, that, like, dating mindset where you're, like, trying to make someone really happy and, like, doing things for them all the time? That just goes away when you have been in a relationship for a while. And so you do that last. And really the advice is basically like date your partner, kind of. Yeah, I mean, again, I I I said this earlier. I think a lot of the stuff that could be construed as positive about this book can potentially be applied to any relationship. And it's just that the, the examples that he uses are what's really turning us off because you always navigate your circumstances based off of who you're talking to and what you know they want to hear. Yeah. So that could be, you know, uh, a new employer. It could Mm -hmm. be um, somebody that you're interacting with as a third party in a professional scenario. I mean, you you start to evaluate what their end game is and you come in and you figure out how how you can talk about Mm -hmm. it in a way that won't alienate anybody that will start to communicate the things that you know that they want to hear and then won't compromise your integrity. So these are all tactics that we always use, just that these these stories are just, they they always assume that the woman is the weak. The weak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so actually I'm so glad that you said that word specifically because one of the examples that we were talking about before we started recording tonight is how the story of the princess... And the knight goes to retrieve the princess from a castle that's guarded by a dragon, and he wants to slay the dragon. And the first princess says, no, use this noose instead. So he's like, all right, I'll use this noose. I'm not going to be happy about it. I'm kind of depressed. I don't even feel like I saved you anymore. Second princess uh, says, oh, you're going to slay this dragon? No, how about use this poison instead? And the knight says, all right, I'm going to use the poison, but like, F you, lady. And 
the third princess lets him slay the dragon with the knife, that the sword that he came there to kill him with in the first place, and he marries the princess. Yeah, the the silent princess, the quiet. The princess. quiet knows princess knows how to shut up. Knows when how to, to shut, shut up. up. She is marrying material. Yeah, she got let the him ring, feel like a man. Oh boy. Or the so he talks a lot about the love tank and the point system and how basically the point system. couples are Both. constantly keeping score, and it's best when. I think it's best if you're tied, although maybe it's best if, like, the woman has 10 points up on the man, because then, no, she might feel resentful. I forget. Is Do you want to be tied with the person? Anyway, he gives a list of activities that you can do to earn points with the opposite sex. Shall we list some of them? Yeah, I have I mean, a book right here. If you want to earn points with a lady, you might try doing the dishes. Unprompted. How about... Oh, right, because you have to, to take ownership of her role for the element of surprise and delight. If he makes a mistake and you don't say, I told you so, or offer advice, you might earn 10 to 20 points. Wow. Nice. You'll be lost. Cool. How you'll about be screwed somehow, but you'll have 20 points. A man can score with a woman if he wears cologne before having sex. Wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> cologne. Oh, my, oh god. my god. They have to rewrite it. Oh, my God. Is that 50 points, though? Cause yeah, what's the highest rated thing? Pretty sexy. Yep. It's <laughs> so hot. <laughs> Especially if, it, if you're visibly spraying yourself. <laughs> what if it's, like, Axe body spray? Even better. <laughs> this was 1992, though, so no. it was probably pre It was pre-Axe. How Axe was, like, hitting its heyday what in my high that? school days. Oh, my God. What was the, like, aqua de... De Gio. Aqua de Gio. Aqua de Gio. Yes, aqua de Gio. Yeah. That's and David Davidoff. Yeah, And, like, Tommy Girl and Calvin Klein. Oh, you yeah. might you might earn forty points if on special occasions you overlook his mistakes that might normally upset you. Wow, that's a lot of points. How would he even know? Like, it's not like he would even know. He can't give you points if he doesn't know if he's messing up because you aren't pointing out his mistakes. You should just be like forty points. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, you, I have literally I have I have zero points, guys. So where do you get with all these points? What do you get? I think you can cash out. How with what? <laughs> a new relationship? <laughs> a hug. I think it's I think it's tokens for a a vacation. I think. <laughs> yeah. He likes vacation. He likes to use vacations as an example. Oh and it's God. very romantic. You guys, like one of the tips is when listening to her talk. Use eye contact. Mm. Use eye contact. Yeah, these are great. I but honestly, like, do I want Mark to bring me home her, my favorite pie or dessert? Yes. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, do. I don't want to legitimize it. I but yeah, I want I some want fucking pie. Okay, you want a bad, you want a bad example? <laughs> yes. So he gives women a list of things that they can do to distract to themselves while the man goes into the cave. Oh, right, right. <laughs> they include. Oh my God, I can't. Praying, <laughs> shopping, <laughs> calling a <her> girlfriend, <laughs> watching TV. <laughs> you know. I love that He's praying is for. He's like, 
what do women do? <laughs> this is a good one. He did not speak. I don't know who he spoke to. I know. Where did he do his It was not research? his life. She was, was on vacation. Yes. She had cashed, she cashed out, out. And she was like, I want to go on vacation by myself. Oh, yes. Yeah, he's saying that, like, modern women, they want a little bit more time for themselves. He was not, like, he's completely irrelevant to the time, to women of the time in terms of lifestyle, just people in general, but I guess psychologically he might be tapping into some things. That women and men both need space But that's that's what's so silly is that he's like, oh, men need space and women need space. It's like, are we really from two different planets? Yeah, yeah, but women need space, and while they're in their space, they also need to talk a lot, apparently. I don't know. I, I'm i kind of like a guy in the sense that I don't like to talk a lot when I'm really upset about something. Do you but play video games? No. <laughs> I will say my husband is very cliche in the video game sense. Yeah. He I know. will go into his cave and play video games. And it's a good thing We're that he has that. I think it's good for everybody to have an Yeah, it's good. Like, I do, like, the New York Times crossword puzzle app. Yeah, I write. Or, like, wa- I just sit in front of the television and watch, binge watch a show. But, again, I will say, so that behavior is not gender specific it's just that it's not applicable to me and I happen to be a woman because the whole reason that my husband and I ever had that conversation about shooting things to disconnect in the first place is because I have this amazing friend her name is Jofi and she lives in Budapest and she is the head of a construction project she has two master's degrees she speaks six languages and she is in charge of about 200 people who are just completing a construction project around building a green campus for Central European University in Budapest. And so a lot of her job is strategy-based, a lot of it is based in construction, and she spends a whole lot of her time observing construction sites and observing male workers. And she faces such harrowing degrees of sexism. And she is the one who told us that she goes home at night and shoots things, and that's the only way that she feels better. (laughs) So shout out to Jofi. And Andres was like, I have to do that have to disconnect I have to figure out a way to do it so we got that advice from a power woman who faces sexism every single day and she uses video games to disconnect so it's not gender specific men need space women need space we all have different things that make us happy when we're disconnecting from you know our problems in our long day and and also like everyone likes having their emotions validated if that means saying like I hear you and I'm giving you space or if that means I hear you and I mean, giving a hug, it's the worst example, but it's like people like to hear that they've been heard, even if it's as much as saying, yeah, that's annoying or yeah, that's stressful. It's universal. I think women weren't really, he wasn't profiling working women at all. It all sounds like some bored housewife. So that's what I was thinking too about to gender norms. It was like the male was the provider, yeah. the woman took care of the home. Yes. And so one of the examples he uses really early on in the book is that a man goes to work and he has a really hard work day. But meanwhile, the woman had just given birth to their firstborn child. And while she was home recovering from a C-section, her painkillers ran out. And she didn't want to disturb her husband who was at work. So she asked her husband's brother to run out and get pain medication. And the husband's brother forgot. Fucking douchebag. Obviously, he forgot. And so she laid in pain all day without being able to move from her bed. 
So when she got home, she yelled at the husband, and the husband said, why didn't you call me? And she said, because I didn't want to bother you. And he said, well, then how can you be mad at me? And she said, well, I'm not mad. I've been bleeding all day, and I can't get out of bed, and I'm in pain. And he said, you know, fuck this, I'm leaving. And she said to him, in a moment of weakness, I need a hug. I don't need you to leave right now. This is the time, above all, where I just need you to come here and hold me. And it was like a defining moment in their relationship where instead of just arguing and being really combative about mm-hmm. the fact that you know he couldn't understand that she was in pain all day, he just got home from a long day of work, and she couldn't have possibly understood what he went through that day, she just decided to break down their barriers and say, this is what I need right now in this moment. Do you keep score in your relationships? Do I know? Do you? <laughs> I mean, so one thing that I will say, I don't think I ever keep score, but I think if there is ever an issue that I feel like is recurring, I start to remember what they are so that if I'm asked to embellish upon specifics, I can. Uh, But let me tell you, that's not a good idea. It's actually really a bad idea. It's a really horrible idea. So it's my tendency because I want to be like, yeah, I did my research. You're going to ask me again? When you did those things, I'm going to tell you the exact dates. Yeah. Where does that ever get anybody? It's the, the worst. Part of the keeping score section, he was saying that the score is 40 to 10. Women actually treat that as 30 to 0. They subtract your points. Mm-hmm. And so technically it's the same score, except that you're 0 instead of having 10. So we like ignore the fact that you've done anything good. And I was kind of like, that's maybe true. that's true. Really? I feel like... I don't, know, I don't know, but it did make me think about things differently. What I would love to do is figure out how to actually offer our listeners some useful advice about the dating universe. Because I think while we can extract some things that may feel like potentially good starting points for solving communication and relationships... Overall, we feel like most of this advice is not something that we would integrate back into our lives. So as our resident dating expert, are there any things that you recommend to women in search of either bettering their relationships or just embarking upon the dating universe? Yeah, I I think that maybe if you take this book and read it through the prism of being just a smart woman who thinks before she acts. You're right in that people tend to act differently in relationships than they would maybe with like sure you have friends that you're really honest with but a lot of times yeah you're not there to like tell your friend everything you think all the time you might wait for the right moment or like in a work environment you're not saying what you think all the time timing is so important in everything I mean, come on, think about yourself, how you respond to certain things somebody will tell you something when you're in a good mood, you act like normal you don't take it personally if you're sensitive already you're going to respond differently so sort of like the net net of that approach is that a relationship with a man is just another extension of a relationship that you'd have with anything else that you care about whether it's your professional profile or the relationships that you have with your closest friends I mean I think 
I had never even really considered that. I'm always like, well, I live with my husband and we share our life mm-hmm. together, so we can just be open and honest. But and we can, but we can figure out, you know, where there's a time and a place for certain things. One idea I just thought of is that even with my closest friends, who I'm the most transparent with. Have you ever been in a scenario with a girlfriend, a really close girlfriend, whose advice you trust and you're talking about me? <laughs> I'm, I'm not talking. I'm, wait until you hear what I'm gonna say. Okay. So, a really close girlfriend, who you know you 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 trust that they're gonna give you good feedback, and you make sure that you're really thoughtful and careful mm-hmm. when you give them feedback about things that are really important in their lives and you don't like someone they're dating. Have you ever been honest about not liking who they're dating? Mm. Uh, No. Right. The answer is no. So if you can have a curated response to your closest friends whose advice you trust Mm -hmm. the most, and you can't talk to them about the fact that you don't like who they're dating, you've basically taken this relationship and said, I'm going to figure out a way to continue to have a positive relationship Mm -hmm. with you in spite of the fact that I'm not being honest about this one crucial subject. So are we sort of agreeing that there are situations in which that approach could be applicable with a man? Well, it's not just that. I've seen this work in real life. I've seen my mom do it, and I've seen my best friends who are in great relationships. I've seen them doing do it. I've seen the women be very sensitive to their husbands and very, you know, smart in what they say. And the Russian school of thinking is very much like that. You are going to think twice and you're going to, you know, you're not going to act on impulse. How would this be different if it was written today? So I think if it were written today, they'd probably have to just use more applicable examples. They'd have to integrate the fact that Lots of women who may be seeking relationship advice have full-time jobs and flourishing careers, and they really live a goal-oriented life that's driven by value. The root of the the message would be the same. The examples would just be... Well, I think if he wanted to be successful in our demographic, he'd have to think about updating his examples. His I kind of wonder if the the same. If the examples were different, like, would we have yeah, I think we, we approached would it very differently? 100%. Potentially, yeah. If he had used all gender-neutral pronouns. Yeah. <laughs> he, she is from Mars. He, she. It would be really interesting to actually read this and have some sort of, like, scientific backup to certain things that he's saying. That would be interesting. Like, data. Give us some real data on how we, why we are the way we are and they are the way they are. Because if essentially you're reading all this, like, repetitive nonsense a lot of the time and yeah. you're not really learning from it. You understand these things. You can read a summary of this book and understand the whole Does thing. Does he have data to back it up? I did not make it no. to the appendix. No, it feels really theoretical. No, there's no data. If he backed this up with data, A, and used modern examples, I think it would actually be a hit right now because some of the stuff is so Nate Silver can rewrite this book and sell it at a million (laughs) airports around the country you should trademark that idea I wonder why whoever published this thing HarperCollins why they haven't done it I mean it'd be interesting to have a modern take on it yeah so we wanted to culminate this episode by going around and giving the best relationship advice we've ever received Marina, I know we need a bunch off? of it from D-Bag Dating. We do. <laughs> or what's the worst dating advice to ignore? The worst dating <laughs> advice. Anything I tell. 
the worst. I don't know. Anything that makes you change who you are is just not good. You are such a positive influence. I and thank you. <laughs> oh, well, let's just accept that. <laughs> um, I I think you should just really focus. Well, I've heard a couple. I've been profiling these couples. And it started as just, oh, this is a cute couple, and I'm really, you know, I just want to know how you guys met. Um, and it became this thing where I'm so excited to learn about this couple and their inner dynamics because every single time I learn something. And one thing that I've seen over and over and over again is this whole thing that I already stated about a woman appreciating, like, learning to love herself, learning to appreciate herself. And I think I just come from a place where I understand women and how sensitive and how how difficult it is sometimes to be a young woman that's all it is and you might not vocalize it but it is a difficult time in your life and in terms of relationships you're just not secure um and um it's a process and all these women who found love i guess or later in life they said i went through this period of really appreciating myself learning to appreciate myself so for me, once again, this is the most valuable thing you can do, and this is the one thing that will really probably change your life. And uh, I don't know, I yet have to, you know, be to live through my advice, hopefully. Um, but I know that, like, my mom always just told me, find somebody who really loves you, and I think that is valid advice. Find somebody who loves you because life is long, and you're not always, again, going to look perfect, and you're just you're going to you know, have kids, and you're gonna wear a diaper in the hospital room, and <laughs> you're gonna go through a lot of shit. Yeah. Just find somebody who really, truly loves you, and you'll be happier like that. You'll be happy. That's all. That's so nice. <laughs> Meyer, what's the best dating advice you've ever received, or relationship advice? Uh, so, my mom told me to find somebody who treats me like my dad treats her. And that was really sweet. My dad is the best. And your mom's a badass. And my mom is a badass bee. So my mom has had a thriving career for her entire life. She was a big politician when I was growing up, and she was one of the only women working in government. And she has had this just crazy uphill battle with debunking gender norms in her sector and my dad Mm -hmm. has always been so so supportive of her and my favorite example of how much he loves her isn't actually related to one of her professional endeavors about 15 years ago my mother decided she wanted to start doing triathlons and she was always really fit and really health conscious but she, she really liked to play tennis and she never really had a sport other than that that she really invested all of her time in she just was really conscious of living a health healthy lifestyle so she said she really wanted to do a triathlon and so she started to train and my dad bought a bike so that he could train with her you know my dad does triathlons I do them with him too he's so ex- so into them but he started doing them just so that he could accompany my mom while she was training Aww. so yeah so That's my amazing. relationship advice was to find someone who treats me like my dad treats her and I did and you did yeah See? So I actually started doing triathlons and my husband bought a bike too. <laughs> oh. Exact same example. Andres was like, he was Mr. Like, Meyer, how do you do this? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Actually, a bicycle is technically considered a gadget. So according to John Gray, that's all men want anyway. Oh, my God. <laughs> my, my dad <laughs> ran down the mountain with me when I first started skiing because he was scared for me. <laughs> yeah, he really? just jogged down that mountain next to right? me. If Poor you, guy. If you have a good dad, it's a good beacon. Oh, my God. So. Having a good dad. And that's what you have to think about, the fact that you want your children to have a good dad. Yeah. You really do. Yeah. That's the maternal protective. See, that's the nature stuff that he probably talks about. So with that, I think I can safely say I won't read any more of John Gray's books. <laughs> no? He has ten more. I know he has a whole lot more. <laughs> oh, my more. God. What are the other I'm sure titles? he made a whole lot of money off of them. Well, he did. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us Thank today. you for having me. It's yes, great. it was so fun. It was. And Thank I you hope you get wine. to write a bestseller dating book in your future <laughs> or have a like multimedia venture. Or rewrite. <laughs> Maybe you'll be the one to rewrite Maybe Men you are should from just Mars. Pitch that. <laughs> I will totally rewrite this. It I should like just be those. Men are D-bags, Women are Queens. <laughs> Marina does. There we go. We have a bestseller. Just as a, an appendix to this episode, Marina has a killer denim jacket that says D-bag. D-bag. Just D-bag. And are you the D-bag? Well, that's the quite that's the million dollar that's question. The million dollar asks. question. And with that, I think we'll sign off. <laughs> Thank you for listening, everybody. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. Five stars if you liked listening to this episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.